Welcome to Every Business Counts, the podcast which shows how money and numbers can support you to build a sustainable business. My name is Lynn Mann and I'm an accountant and a coach with over 20 years experience. In each episode, I will be exploring how money and your business numbers can help amplify the impact you want to make by focusing on purpose and profit. Because every business counts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Every Business Counts. My name's Lynn Mann and today I'm going to be looking at what are the hidden costs costing your business. So first going to look at what are hidden costs. Now to me they're very specific. Hidden costs are actually things that are not tangible. So they're not something we can necessarily put a money, we're not exchanging money for them, but they're still costing our business money. They're costing us in terms of profitability. And the thing is, it doesn't matter whether you're a solopreneur, whether you're a small business, medium business, or even a corporate, and actually probably even more so a corporate, any business is going to be hit by this. Now, the area I really want to focus on is that people cost. So what's the impact of how we work? Now, the culture in the UK historically drives people to work longer hours. And I'm not sure if this comes from the kind of the drilling in of the Protestant work ethic, but we seem to believe that we have to work long hours and do so more than anywhere else in Europe. Yet our productivity is actually worse than most European countries. In fact, in Ireland, they work fewer hours and are 67 more percent productive. That's a huge difference. Now, in looking at this podcast, I actually went back on a huge personal journey because I myself, when I worked in corporate, was a huge overworker. And at the time, I didn't understand that. I didn't appreciate what the cost was to to me, to the business and to my team. And actually just looking through my journey and trying to see where things changed was a real eye-opener for me. So the first time I was working in kind of really in a business other than, say, my Saturday jobs was actually when I did a placement year. And during that year, I knew exactly what I was to do. I was there to do a project and to help out um, the people doing the statutory accounts. Not hugely exciting. So it didn't hugely motivate me, but I did it and I did it on a nine to five basis. And at the end of the day, I would leave and I would go home. And there was one time I had to work late and I noticed that people on the, the open plan floor would be staying for another half hour because on that half hour, the finance director would walk around and he always did a daily walk to notice who was still there. So what he was c- creating was a culture of almost control and power and getting people to work an additional half hour to use their personal time to be there so that they could impress him. Now, I didn't quite understand this and didn't understand the power of politics at the time, but I certainly didn't think that was the right thing to do and disagreed with it and actually had a conversation with somebody about it, trying to understand more. So then then I have, when I started working, I went in as a trainee accountant within business And three months into the job, I was put on to a project. Now, before that, again, I'd been working kind of standard work hours, nine till five, and then would be going home. Now, when I was on this project, 
I was put in a department, so it's the accounts payable department, to actually improve a system. They'd had a huge backlog that had been caused by one of the one of the employees had literally just put all the invoices in a drawer and did nothing with them. So we were having major issues with um, customers phoning up, demanding payment, and really nothing was getting done. So they put me as a trainee in there to kind of run this project and sort it out. So the first thing, obviously, I was conscious of was that there was already a supervisor there. So I knew I had to be very careful how I did this, and I didn't want to create any problems. So I kind of put the project in place. I let them continue to work as they were doing. But I actually ended up working 13 days out of 14 every week to make sure that we were keeping up to date with the invoices, that I was getting everything improved in line with the purchase orders and that customers could get paid. I didn't demand this from anybody else, but I knew it was something I had to do to actually show I was capable and that they'd been right to place their trust in me. Now, you might say, well, why 13 out of 14 days? I actually worked out that it was physically impossible for me to manage more than 13 days on the trot. On the 14th day, I was so exhausted, I could all I could do was stay at home and do nothing. Now, that should have told me something, you know, working 13 out of 14 days and being so exhausted you can do nothing else on the 14th day is not a good sign. But at that time, I wasn't aware of listening to my body. And I also didn't take the sign when I actually came down with the flu that in while I was on that project. Again, I hadn't had the flu for I don't know how many years and have rarely had it since. But again, that was my body telling me, you need some time off, you need to give yourself some space. Now, after I'd finished being a trainee accountant in my first official role as an accountant, I don't can't remember what happened. All I remember is that my manager was concerned and she gave me a book about um, stress management and she also gave me a leaflet on A-type personalities. So obviously she was seeing something there that showed that I was pushing myself beyond what was required and I needed to deal with stress. Now, if I reflect again as to what was going on with me, it was always that trying to add value, trying to show that I was worth what people were expecting of me. I didn't know their expectations. It was all my own expectations of what I had to to give. Now, as the roles went on and I I changed companies. My hours got longer and I also became very aware that the finance function had to operate much more efficiently than NBL. So when we had cost cuts, when budgets were cut, it was always the, the finance and the service functions which had to show that they were run more effectively, that they could run without the same headcount. And so therefore, for me, what I translated this to was it meant I had to work longer hours. It meant I wasn't able to ask for help. And so without doing this, I was actually letting my work define me and I was letting it define my value. I'd literally become my own worst enemy here. And I was creating the own ex- my own expectations of what I had to do and what was possible. Nobody ever questioned it of me because they were so used to me doing it. 
And what I, again, I didn't appreciate was this impacted my team. And it wasn't till um, I received some 360 feedback that I realized actually the impact it was having on my team. So whereas I would get a buzz from somebody coming in and saying, I need this and I need it now, and then I'd be like, okay, great, we'll get it done. The team didn't like this. They didn't work well. They didn't work the same way under pressure. And yet they would do it because I had a really good relationship with them. Obviously not that good because they couldn't tell me this except in formal feedback, but they would do it because we'd created a team that worked well together and that socialized together, that did a lot together. And so they would do this and yet it was impacting them and their lives also. Now I continued doing this until I worked I had my children and then I worked part-time. And this is when things really started to unravel because then I couldn't work the long hours. I had to get home to pick up my children. I had to wanted to spend time with them as well. And I struggled with this. I felt guilty for not being able to give my time to work and I felt guilty for not spending time with my children. And there was no happy medium And eventually something had to give and I walked away. I had the opportunity to do so. And it really helped me to to look at things and to understand. It led me to coaching. And that then led me to exploring what was really going on and a lot of kind of inner work. Now, as a workaholic, it's easy to fall back into the old traits. And this is something I'm very conscious of. And when I was working with a friend in her business, again, I fell into the trap of trying to give more than was expected of me and really draining myself. And doing that, it really taught me the importance of working sustainably and also the importance of a sustainable business. So a sustainable business is not just about creating a business that works for the planet. It's not just about creating a business that is profitable, that's cash positive and going forward. A sustainable business also has to work for those that work in it. It has to be run on a way that is supportive of them. And therefore, by not doing that, when we're not working in a way that works for the people, we're actually costing ourselves and our business. So I just want to give you some, an understanding of actually what these kind of costs are. So if we look at presenteeism, so this is when people go in the, to work, when they're maybe not feeling well, when they're not motivated, when they're there, but they're not there in their own minds and doing the job. Um, the cost to businesses in the UK of presenteeism is 15.1 billion. It's double absenteeism. This is a huge figure. And presenteeism shows up really kind of poor motivation, poor performance, poor health, poor productivity. It means lower innovation. So all of these have an impact on our businesses. At the same time, if we look at sick days, overwork is responsible for at least a quarter of sick days. Sick days that are the result of exhaustion and stress cost over a billion to the UK economy. Again, these numbers are substantial, yet we still have this belief, particularly with entrepreneurs, that we have to hustle, we have to work hard, we have to put in long hours to succeed. 
when really we have to question, is that the case? Because if we're doing this, then actually what are we achieving? Even back in the 1900s, Henry Ford realized that people cannot work long hours. When they do so, they uh, their productivity reduces. There's a short-term benefit. They discovered the benefit was three to four weeks and then it reduced. That's why he changed the hours to the 40-hour week from what had previously been much longer work hours. In the 1930s, Kellogg's found when they reduced the work um, the working hours that actually accidents were reduced by 41%. More recently, Microsoft in Japan found that productivity went up by 40% when they moved to a four-day week. And I know the four-day week is something that's being looked at a lot more by businesses to see how it really does benefit them and their work. Now, the one downside of a four-day week is if you have people who are like me when you're in corporate, they will try and do the same number, same amount of hours in work within those four days. So really, that indicates something else has to change. We have to look inside ourselves and see what's driving us to actually work those long hours. What's beneath that of work? How are we using it to define us? Is it about achievement to status? Is it about wanting to make a bigger impact? Is it about actually money? What is it that we're making more important than our health and happiness? What is it that we're actually putting over and above looking at our life as a whole that we're focusing so much on one area? And if we can really be honest with ourselves and that's what I had to do when I was going through this journey, then we can start to unravel this and we can start to address what's causing it. We can start to put other things in place. And then when we do fall back and find ourselves again, working in an unsustainable way, being open to, okay, what's going on now and unraveling that layer. So really thinking as well about what are the expectations? What is it that you believe you're achieving? And is that realistic? You know, is it that you're actually expecting to be able to achieve an awful lot more than you can in the time you have? Are you actually focused on the right things for you and your business? And are you working in a way that um, works with your strengths? And then really understand when is it you work best? We don't have to work nine till five. I was speaking to somebody this morning who said because of the way um, her clients are, she works very early mornings, she works evenings, and it gives her a chunk of time during the day to take care of herself. She understands what she needs to do during that day to actually look after herself and make sure that she's able to bring her best self to work. And that's what we're not doing when we overwork. We're not bringing forward our best selves, our creative selves, our innovative selves. We're bringing to work our tired selves. Now, the first thing, as I said, is to really go in. It's to focus on yourself. But if you've got a team, almost think of them as well. It's important to lead by example. So if you're not feeling well or you're feeling tired, you know, Go home, take a rest, show the team that's acceptable. Because if people don't believe that's acceptable, if people think it's that they're expected to be there, even if they're not feeling great, then they will do that. People do not want to let others down. 
but also create that safe space, that safe psychological space that people can talk about what's going on. If there is a conflict that's causing a problem, that they can talk about it rather than letting it undermine them. So really thinking about for you and your team, what example are you setting and what environment are you creating? What's the culture that you've created there? You know, going back to the story I shared right at the beginning where the, the finance director walked on walked the floor expecting people to be there. He was creating a certain type of culture. What's the culture you're creating? And how does that get the most out of you and your team? Because at the end of the day, for a business to be sustainable, it has to look after its key resources. And time and people is a, are a huge resource to any business. So if you want to make your business count, take some time and think about how are you working and is it working for you? Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Business Counts. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not head over to our Facebook group, Every Business Counts, and share what you've enjoyed and your highlights. I look forward to sharing more with you next week. Bye for now.